You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanonfilm.com, click on Podcasts, and you'll find the Batman Podcast Network that has a whole list of other Bat-related shows. We'd also like to dive into other nerdy subjects that we all love to, especially Peter Vera, frolic about in our free time. The Batman Book Club is also on Patreon. If you like what's going on with the show and you want to help support the show, keep the generators running in the Wayne Manor study. Just go to patreon.com slash the Batman BC. And again, a shout out for a couple of members on Patreon, a couple of new members, and then one who actually upped his pledge. So a uh, shout out to Gregory Lozitano, Alex Light, and Lee Anchorit. Thank you so much for helping to support the show. Now, thank you for listening to episode 152, Generation Joker. Joining me now are the co-writers of Generation Joker, Katana Collins and Clay McCormick. How are you both? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for taking a moment out of your time or your busy schedules, giving me the time to come on here and and talk. Um, Clay has been on the show before, so I've gotten to put him in the hot seat. But Katana, since this is your first... Uh, time on this show I have to ask you what is your favorite Batman story there's a hot seat you didn't yes. tell me there's gonna be a hot seat. <laughs> I, I can't I can't give a warning because then it's not a hot seat I guess it's like a oh. it's just a seat I guess so okay, wait. pressure's on <laughs> favorite what's your favorite Batman story this is just gonna be all questions for you Katana I'm just gonna stare at you the whole time <laughs> there you go <laughs> I mean story as in like graphic novel that's out there or whatever you want it to be <laughs> movies movies have scripts which count as written media so those count as well and somebody's actually gone that route before and i've asked them this question okay i gosh i would probably have to say um because it was my first introduction to batman um the animated series okay the episode I'm, i might get it the title wrong is it crazy love clay uh, mad, love? mad love mad love thank you yes that is probably my you favorite know, th that counts on a, on a few levels because it's an animated series and of course the comic which was written by you know paul dini wrote the episode and all that stuff so it all counts mad love there you go that counts yeah. that works and i think that's extremely fitting considering uh how you're known to a lot of comic book readers and stuff too clay do you remember by chance what you answered no not at all no <laughs> uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna assume it was probably tim burton's batman if i had to hmm. if i was gonna uh, no you said uh there. digital justice digital i'm kidding justice. no no i'm oh, just kidding no, <laughs> I, actually, I actually know that book you know that book, that okay. Was, that was the one that was entirely the, one of the first digital comics, right? That That's right, yeah. yeah. I haven't talked about it on here yet, but one of these days, because it has a reputation. I don't think it's as terrible as people think, but you went with uh, Dark Knight Returns, and then you even oh, yeah, said yeah. year one slobbed into it, and I think you felt like that was an, a cop-out answer, but I said, no, it's uh, people answer that for a reason. Those are good Those are good stories. So I would put a, also put Tim Burton's Batman in there as well. Well, there you go. That counts. All right. We got it. Well, we've covered the we've covered the hard stuff. I swear it's it's easy from here on here, out. Here. So, <laughs> yeah, no hot hot takes or anything. So uh, let's get to talking to Generation Joker. And a lot of times when it comes to stuff like this. So uh, the book, the first issue drops on Tuesday. Um, I was fortunate enough. I've gotten to to read it so far. We thoroughly enjoyed it. Um whether you two are on here or not, I'd say the same thing. So it's not just, you know, that's sucking up oh, of, that I didn't. And I, um, I Check actually did. Email. Yes. Thank you. I want to make sure it clears um, before I post this, but I always like to ask to start with the, you know, the origins. I go linear in the conversations and how did this just, how did the idea of generation Joker even begin? Yeah. I mean, I think that is different 
for every single one of us that answer, right, Clay? Like, yeah, kind of, yeah. Every, each of our beginnings with this story would be different, Sean's included. Um, and I feel like at this point, it's also been so long since the <laughs> concept of this story began that I'm not even sure I'm remembering properly. <laughs> I think he's been, he had been talking about doing this for couple of years I years think. like literally I, I think, think since my book came out was yeah. when it was like the the beginnings of this idea began um and I how I remember it was um we were watching the movie onward and uh and I was like man wouldn't it be cool to have like this kind of road trip story with Jack and the kids or something like that, like a poignant. But again, I don't know if that's because like that idea had already hatched and it was like chicken or the, I don't know. Clay, yeah. do you remember? I don't know. I, I remember it sort of being on the table ever since the twins first appeared in, in the book. So once, once they were a known entity in, in the Harley Quinn book, I think he had kind of been kicking the idea around. And then um, as he was, getting into white night beyond he had kind of formulated this idea to have the joker hologram steal a batmobile and go on a road trip with his two kids and you know every everyone you tell that pitch to goes oh that's great i'd love to i'd love to read that and so uh it was it was just sort of fell into the right position time and place that we had the opportunity to do it and uh yeah katana and i were both drafted in to each represent one of the twins, I guess. I'm not really sure. I know, like, <laughs> no. Although I, I feel like I'm more, maybe, maybe we're both more of the same twin. I, what twin do you feel like you connect most with? Ooh, next question. Ooh, yeah, boy. Uh, what twin do I feel like I connect with? Um, or maybe it's not a twin. Maybe it's you know. I'll be honest friend. with you. I think we might have the same answer because I think we both <laughs> kind of gravitated toward Bryce. Yeah. Because, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a Bryce for sure. Yeah, I, honestly, he was the one who had the biggest um, runway, I think, because yeah. he hadn't really been featured too much at that point. And so we kind of, when we started kicking ideas around, we kind of kept coming back to how do we, how do we make sure that he is front and center in the story and doesn't just kind of get pushed to the side? Yeah, like he was like the forgotten twin through Beyond. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Sean, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> so is is Sean then Jackie? The, the rebel. <laughs> yeah. I okay. would say no hesitation. I mean, or he's like grumpy old man Bruce. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> right? like, I think he might be closer to old man Bruce, but, <laughs> but I think uh, he to think of himself as Jackie, like as Jackie. Yeah. Gotcha. I think what's, I'm always such a, a sucker for, you know, the creation <laughs> process of a story. Um, I like to, I like to know after reading it and stuff, I like to know the behind the scenes, the origins, the art and all of that stuff. Uh, what I think is really interesting with this project itself is in which I thought that it was uh, six ish. Is it six issues? Mm -hmm. Going to be six. Yep. Okay. I don't remember if I, I was looking it up to confirm and I couldn't find it anywhere of how long. And I'm like, I swore it was six issues. Uh, but what's, the cool about this experience is that it's two writers, it's co-writers. And so there's kind of a lot to unpack there. I think of how the development of this story um, and how you two work together, how much Sean oversees it, or if he doesn't, cause he just trusts you both. Cause uh, obviously he's pretty close to both of you <laughs> in the comic world and um, privately, but uh, how does, how do you guys work together? How did you at the beginning throughout and, and all of that? Um, well, I, it was interesting cause I, I had never really written something as collaboratively as mm -hmm. I have with this before. And so I wasn't totally sure what it was going to be like, especially cause when we had started kicking around the ideas and kind of breaking the story and stuff, we were all kind of coming at it from different kind of points of view. But even there, I could tell that Katana and I were kind of on the same page about the stuff that we wanted to get into. And once we started actually writing scripts and actually sitting down and, and hashing stuff out, I, I found it to be very easy. And I, and I mm -hmm. feel like we were both on the same page and, and managed to uh, 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 really kind of form into a, a singular unit and, and move forward like that. I hope, hope that was the same. Yeah. For you. <laughs> yeah. I feel very similar. I, um, 
so like the process in the beginning was kind of outlining the story and sort of what each issue would accomplish and what um, plot progressions would happen for every issue. And I would say Sean was pretty hands-on at that juncture, right, Clay? Yeah, yeah. Like that was sort of the piece of it that he worked with us more consistently um, to come up with sort of the the general mold mm-hmm, of sure. what the would look like. And, um, and then once that was down, and part of it was also leaving a little bit of freedom within that mold of, you know, for any writer out there who's listening, you, you also know, like you can outline all you want, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, sometimes the characters just decide to do something else while you're writing <laughs> or it just doesn't fit right. So like, we still needed that freedom to, to work within, like the clay couldn't harden yet of the, yeah. like we had to be able to still mold it. Um, and then the scripting process, I would say Sean was pretty hands off, right? Like it, the scripting was pretty much for the most part, yeah. In play, yeah. putting the draft together. And then each script would go to the editors and to Sean and in like a different, you know, chronological order. Um, and we'd tighten it from there. But I found, you know, as someone who comes from a prose background, co writing, I, have completely taken to, and I would co-write every single thing in my career from now on. It's so nice to have someone that you can just rely on to be like, I'm having a hard time right now. What about like, what do you think for this scene or vice versa? Like, I know there were multiple scenes and the issues that one or both of us were like tagging you in buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They were, um, I I was surprised at, at how, easily we could kind of pass it back and forth because there were some scenes where I would kind of break down the panels but not really be totally clued into what it needed dialogue wise and I would kind of send it to her and she would fill it in and I'd be like great this is awesome excellent moving on (laughs) so and yeah I think one of the like I I would imagine co-writing is not always this easy Mm -hmm. um and I think what really works in this scenario is that we each bring very different things to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Clay is like really good at at um, the the elements of like thick storytelling and getting to the heart of what the theme is and sticking yeah. to that. Like you're, you're really good at like seeing the entire linear process, oh, and nice. I think. I'm my strengths lie more in like the relationships of the characters and like Mm -hmm. the emotions and coming from an acting background as well. Like dialogue tends to be something to a fault that I do too much of in books, (laughs) like all the dialogue. (laughs) So usually I'm getting like red marks slashed through a lot of my words, but that's okay. So Clay with you having, so she said that she'd had a, you know, like a prose background, you having a Mm -hmm. comic book background, uh, did this open up um, this way of sharing, you know, writing duties with comic book background? Did did you get a did you benefit a lot out of that? Um, yeah, I would say I did because uh, I've again, it's something I hadn't ever done before, mm-hmm. and you know, writing is a very solitary endeavor for the most part. Yeah, and so having somebody else there that you can really bounce stuff off of in its most ugly form and refine is very helpful because you know that's the the thing the thing that's frustrating about any artistic pursuit writing especially i think is usually if when you when you send off a draft of something to Mm -hmm. an editor that's the first time they're reading it but that's probably like the eighth time you've worked it over (laughs) and so that's why when someone tears it apart it hurts so much because that wasn't your first draft that was your eighth draft it's being seen for the first time and so having someone else there who can really kind of work through those first handful of ideas and piecing things together was uh, was very helpful. I think that's a, I think that's an, a really interesting point that, yeah, it's not all right, Clay, write this in 10 minutes and pass it on. And I, I mean, it varies to how long something's been with you and to give it to right. someone else. It's it's beneficial because you're passing it along to. Uh, Katana to read and it's like I can, can finally get another opinion on this but 
you don't know you hope you wrote something good and it's not like oh i hope this isn't you know crap and then because <laughs> then, then it could hurt case, and in this case when you do eventually pass it in and it gets torn apart you have someone yeah. else to go ah they don't know what they're talking about yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you definitely have that commiserating partner <laughs> uh were there any I, I can't imagine you know um hard guidelines but within the universe of the white knight universe were there any guidelines that sean had kind of laid out or maybe that you both already just kind of knew by taking on the the project i would say the the thing that's interesting about this book is it is it, it involves characters that were pretty much only very briefly brought up in in sean's book mm-hmm but there's characters that he has future plans for. And so we kind of had to navigate what Diana Prince and Jon Stewart are going to look like without. We, we didn't have. I don't know how to put this. Um, <laughs> we could try anything, but not anything would fly, if that makes sense. So because sure. he has kind of an idea of what he wants to do with them. And so as we were using them for our purposes, if that didn't jive with his intentions or conceptions of those characters we would kind of have to reassess and adjust a little bit which is fine because you know that's you know it's his prerogative yeah um, i would even venture to say prince and stewart were the two characters we consistently had the hardest time yes in every issue (laughs) like really getting them to be the vision and stick with the vision that will be in the future of white knight because of in the story physical things they did physical things they said or just character development itself well it's you know they occupy a very specific place in the story mm-hmm. and a kind of a specific function and i i don't think it's spoiling anything to say they're, they're kind of an antagonistic force they they are once the kids get on the road they have they uh prince and Stuart are are there to chase them down and 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 capture them and, and return them and finding the right tenor for that seemed to be difficult because we didn't want to push them too far into being antagonists where you wouldn't like them but at the yeah. same time they also have to do something that presents an obstacle so we kind of really had to navigate some some twists and turns as far as how to how to dial those two in I feel like that is uh, a pretty tough slippery slope because anybody who's finished reading Beyond the White Knight, you can imagine that those two characters that you're just talking about are going to have a pretty important piece down the road. And so, yeah, I think this could serve as a really nice way of uh, giving them some character development. And then on the other side of the two main characters, of I'd say of Jackie and uh, Bryce, you know, were introduced in your Harley Quinn book. But I mean, they were, you know, they were infants. They, it's not yeah. like they said anything, got to do much. Really. Not <laughs> so, yet. Yeah, not yet. And so, I mean, Jackie and Jackie got more in beyond than Bryce did, but still, you know, not not a ton. So I think this paves the way for those two characters to give some substance. And I know that I've, I think I saw in the initial release, um, Katana, that you'd said that it kind of felt like you're revisiting your babies. <laughs> I, I feel two? very attached to those twins <laughs> probably to an unhealthy degree oh, <laughs> like, <okay. laughs> I, have, I have very strong feelings whenever Sean writes them into beyond of like don't do that to Jackie yeah. <laughs> her. that's my girl <gasps> um but yeah I have unhealthy unhealthy attachments there <laughs> so with the unhealthy attachments uh I guess what did you I know it's it's hard to say because it'd be easier to ask questions if this was like the whole series is out. So I definitely hey, hey, don't listen to anything she says. <laughs> uh, do you identify more as Jackie or uh, Old Man Bruce? Which twin? Yeah, Jackie <laughs> Price or Old Man Bruce? Do you identify more as Old Man Bruce because he's Old Man Bruce. Old school and angry and not good at communicating sometimes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I thought I'd just say because he likes cars, but oh, oh, yeah. okay, we'll go that route. That's, That's true. Uh, nice cameo. Um, I don't even, I don't know the route I was going with. It was something, something with the twins. The twins, cool. Uh, I said, did you have 
I guess an idea since you're so close to them, um, the unhealthy attachment to them, uh, what you wanted to accomplish with those two, just on a character um, level with the two, I guess without spoiling. And I know that could maybe be really tricky because I have no idea where the series is going. So that is tricky to answer. Yeah, okay. But next what, question. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I can kind of <clears throat> step around some of these. Um, okay. Landmines. Um, so way back in the day when we were working on Harley, the Harley mm -hmm. book, there was a lot of talk. And I think that I, I think that this is pretty commonplace, like that there are twins. One is mm -hmm. going to be more like Harley and one is going to be more like Jack. Like that was, yeah. we kind of played upon that with like their eye color being like they each had one eye color of Jack's. Um, and but back in Hartley, we didn't know which would be which. We were really just kind of, all we knew was that one is going to be more kind of Harley-centric in their personalities and one would be more Jack slash Joker in their personalities. And there was a lot of back and forth conversations about who should be who mm -hmm. in in that emulation um and so i think that is maybe why i feel this attachment because i spent a lot of time discussing what they what they will grow to be mm -hmm. and who they will grow into um if that yeah that yeah 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 maybe? yeah it does definitely um, does clay do you have an unhealthy attachment to any of these characters <laughs> <laughs> don't no, I, I wanted to i wanted to put them through as many horrible paces and trials as we possibly could uh, the the thing that i i had said before is when they first pitched the idea to me about okay it's the joker hologram and the kids take off in this thing and i said okay how quickly can we break the hologram because i wanted to put the kids you know throw them into the deep end but uh that was that was in the early days when we were we were kicking things around i basically threw as many insane ideas at the wall as possible and i'm shocked at how many of them actually stuck <laughs> Yeah, that have been my follow-up. Did they stick? <laughs> <laughs> will they stand out as we move along with each issue and read it as uh, fans? Will we be will we be able to identify? Oh, that I think that was one of Clay's uh, bomb, a Clay bomb. There's, um, <laughs> there's one in particular as okay. we come towards the end of the story that is definitely one of them. Awesome. Yeah, I'll I keep my eyes open. I mean, I don't know. I might be wrong. I think most people at least people who've like met Clay and myself and have talked with us at shows or whatever, I think in reading this book, they will be able to determine like, okay, that was Clay's idea. <laughs> that was Diana's idea. <laughs> I, I think that like, as people get to know us, it'll be easier to kind of pinpoint that. But the thing is like, even if the concepts were one of our ideas, that doesn't necessarily mean that that person wrote that scene either. Right, sure, like, yeah. I feel like yeah. even, like we do kind of break up who writes what scene, but then we both get our paws all over each other's. Yeah. So I think at the end of it, like you really can't even tell who wrote what scene because I've done dialogue in Clay's and vice versa. And Yeah, and if and if you go into it and you guess wrong, then I guess we did our job, so. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, there you go. So you were both heavily involved in each issue's script. Oh yeah, yep. That's cool. Cause I know, I know I've heard of some of where say if it's a, you know, like an eight issue, it's like, Oh yeah, this, this person did the first four, the other one did the last four or it was back and forth or something. So this I, was a true collaboration throughout I think, about doing that. Yeah. I think there was some talk early on about maybe switching off issue to yep. issue, but mm -hmm. um, at least for, for me, I, 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 I'm glad we didn't do that because I think the two of us really needed to be on the same page. And I, I would not have enjoyed a sort of uh, relay race kind of baton passing thing where, yeah, you know, you, you what's done is done. Okay, now you have to pick up and move on from here, and then the same thing. You know, it, I think that would just get really frustrating ultimately. Yeah, I'm I'm glad we ended up doing it the way we did it as well. Mm -hmm. And I think there was kind of by chance that it happened that way because if I recall, by the time it got greenlit, they they were like can you get us a script tomorrow? Mm. It was, I mean, <laughs> pretty quick, yeah. but it was like, we had to turn in issue one very quickly. And 
there really wasn't time for one person to write the, I think the first issue is what, 24 pages, not 22? Uh, I think uh, so, 24, 25, 24, yeah. 24, something like that. But mm -hmm. like, there just wasn't even time for one person to write a whole issue. So we both just were like, all right, I'll do this scene, you do that scene, I do that, da, 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 da. And, uh, and we churned that thing out really quickly. Um, and I think by that point we were like, well, that worked. <laughs> yeah. that wow, look at that, you know, it worked. Again, it's it, it really, it takes some of the pressure off having mm -hmm. someone else to bounce it off with because you know the the writing that i've done myself i i end up like you kind of sit and you stew with stuff for a long time and you're kind of chipping away and hacking away and it's all just sort of rolling around in your own head and here mm -hmm. to be able to just toss it back and forth and see what works and really kind of you know mold it as it's as it's coming out is was was really great to give sort of like a timeline, I guess, and out of genuine curiosity, that first script being, do you remember, not like day and time, but roughly when that first script was turned in? Uh, oh, geez. Um, was it last year? Yes. Been, right? yeah. It was last year. I think it was August. August? Yeah. Okay. I, think, I think Mirko started drawing like end of August. So here we are. Okay. I we think, went yeah, it was after, it was after San Diego. We went to San Diego, and that was pretty much when, like, at dinner, they were like greenlit, right? <laughs> and right. we were like, "Oh, okay, we can't do anything about that now. We're in San Diego." Um, it's kind of sad. I'm sitting here. I'm counting, and I'm like, "Here we are, nine months after that first script being turned in, and then the first issue is, you know, coming out." So, is the entire story written? All six issues written? We have one in? left. We have one, one left. Yeah. The finale. Mm -hmm. Wow. So oof, no pressure. I mean, we haven't even read it yet, but hey, no pressure. Hope you stick the landing. Yeah, it's <laughs> be, I mean, at the very least, it's going to be wild. So is, is that say. is that kind of strange for you both at this point of here you are less than a week than the first it before the first issue even comes out and you're working on the the final or is it maybe good to get it? all done before you get to have reviews maybe skew your opinion or something you know um i don't really know uh yeah i, I have <laughs> this is the first series that i've worked on of more than two issues that will be mm -hmm. under that kind of a microscope so i'll be interested to see how that affects things months i mean the thing is right we're right at the end so it's not like if the end of issue two comes out and reviews are like ah we don't really like this. it's not like we could change anything at that point you know yeah. it's so so i guess it's a blessing and a curse where you have to kind of um you either have to uh, uh let it bother you or just go along and do what you're going to do yeah i um i like to have pretty much the whole thing done yeah personally um because i like that as you're kind of crafting the end if something's not the puzzle piece isn't quite fitting there's still time i mean not necessarily to go back and change art or whatever but like having it mapped out to that degree i find helpful mm -hmm. to not kind of write yourself into a corner mm -hmm. um, and you know it's it's funny because i'm the type of person who when comps come in I get really anxious and I don't even, I don't want to read my comp <laughs> because what can I do if it's, yeah. if I'm like, oh, that's a typo or, you know, mm -hmm. like, mm, well, nothing we can do about that now. Um, yeah. Whereas Sean's personality, and I don't know yours, uh, Clay, but um, Sean will like read every issue when it comes in cover to cover. And that is just, not what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I like to I like to read them, just because you know you, you never I've noticed in working in comics, uh, the books read different at every single stage of production. So mm -hmm. the way it reads on the written page is always going to feel different than the way it reads once you see the art, and that's going to be different once you see the letters in the art. And then even there, sometimes coloring can change the perception of how, how it reads. And then, you know, even even the difference between reading it on a screen and reading it in your hands, it it mm -hmm. it it's a different experience, I think. And I, I 
I try to to take from it what I can to use for the next one, you know, to see what worked, what did like I for instance, this first issue. Um we have to set the table and mm-hmm. there's a lot of people coming to dinner. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so we have a lot of stuff we have to get through. I mean, to the point when we were writing it, we were like, can we get like three more pages? Cause I don't think we can do this in 22 pages. And we got our comps and my girlfriend was, was reading it and flipping through it. And I just happened to catch a page out of the corner of my eye. And I said, Holy crap, there's a lot of dialogue on that page. <laughs> and it's not, it's one of those things that doesn't, you know, it, you don't really realize what how things play until you see the finished product. And so I think it's I personally find it important to kind of just look at things and see, okay, well, this could have been changed a little bit. And it's not it's nothing you can do about it now with the thing yeah. you're holding your hands, obviously, but I like to think of it as something I can use for the next next project. Well, I I feel like, you know, writers are artists as well. Um, artists are artists, but anybody who creates something, I feel like you're never done if you keep going back because then you start to think of alterations. So I almost feel like, Katana, you're avoiding that completely by not reading it all over. Um, Clay, I've been in your situation with stuff that I've done before, and then it's been some some time, and then I go back to it, and it's like, I'm almost cringe because it very much are like, ah, uh, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. it's no, shown I- off in front of others, and I'm like, ah, looking at everybody else, judging my work and i'm like ah, you know it's it's tough to do i haven't run into this yet with writing but when i do art my process is when i start the page i feel good about it halfway through i think it's the worst thing i've ever drawn then i finish it and i think okay this came out pretty good and then i scan it and then i look at it at the computer and go okay this is terrible and then i <laughs> send it in and then i see it in print and i go all right this is pretty good and then the next time i pick it up i go this is the worst thing i've ever drawn so it's, it's a constant <laughs> It's a constant thing where you're you're always going to be your own worst critic, and yeah. uh, that you know, literally it's... happens with my book writing too. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I'm writing a draft and I'm writing it, I'm like, God, I'm a genius. This, is <laughs> and then I get to the next like, editing stage and I'm like, Oh my God, I should quit. Yep. This, like, what am I doing? <laughs> and then I read it again and I'm like, Actually, this isn't this isn't so bad. And like by the time it publishes, and the difference between me and Clay is, I stop reading when I hit yeah. that. Point. When I hit the point of like, hey, this is a decent product. I'm happy with it. I don't go back and read it again. (laughs) Now, I will go through and read like all the issues um, when they're out, when all of them are out. That's when I like sit down and I read them through, usually because at that point it's going to go to trade. Um, So at that point, I'm like, I can fix things, right? Like, I can fix this before it goes into print as a trade or a hardcover. Um, and that's when I'll sit down and read it. Yeah. I usually have a moment, like maybe six months later, where I flip through something and I go, yeah, that's pretty good. And that's about the best I can ask for. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that's about the best I can say about myself. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> because you are your harshest critic. As you just said, right. like, yeah. we will just tear ourselves apart. It's ruthless. Maybe this is a terrible question. Um, but aside from like the, the, yeah, (laughs) uh, aside from like the obvious. So, I mean, Clay, you just, you referenced about how you did two, you know, you've done two issues in this universe with the red hood, Mm -hmm. uh, story. Katana, you did six, six issues with Harley Quinn. Uh, what, what's like truly instantly different here, aside from obviously it's a new story, you guys are collaborating instead of working on your own. Is there anything that really, uh, stood out. I can think of one in particular for you, Clay, but I'll let you guys answer before I say something. Um, anything that's completely different as far as you're saying, as far as the the world of the book goes, the White Knight universe. Whatever, however you take that question. Like I said, it might have been a terrible question. <laughs> mm. Well, can can you give me your example that you have? So you created a new character that it, that. Oh, sure. Uh, you created a new character, like flat mm-hmm. out, just a new character um, wasn't seen mentioned prior to. And it seems like that character is going by, the, you know, at the end of your two issues, that character wasn't just for your two issues. And then that's it. Never heard from again, mm-hmm. um, popped up again and beyond. And, you know, fair to say might show up Generation Joker or anything past that. Uh, well, I will say with that character in particular, I was very happy to be able to use her as a one page one off joke because, yeah. <laughs> um, that was, that was one thing I, I made sure to get in there because I, 
I don't know. I just like seeing those two characters together. I thought it'd be a good one page joke. Um, but yeah, you know, I think, I think what's, you know, about this is in Sean's books, uh, he has a tendency to close the door on a lot of characters. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And we are in a certain position with this book where we are far enough into the future and far enough removed from the events of his books that we actually have quite a bit of freedom as far as who can show up, what form they might take, anything like that. So it, I I actually found it to be less restrictive in that way than I was expecting okay. um, because of uh, uh, the sort of unique ways we found around that to to kind of still pl- still play with the iconography even though that might not appear the way that you would expect usually in a batman book well thanks for making it sound like it wasn't a terrible question uh it was so it wasn't a good one though Dana, do you have any kind of response yeah i mean i think for me it's a it's a more simple answer in that i for me it's this takes place in the future. Mm-hmm. Batman Beyond is kind of um, like a more futuristic setting just by its nature. I Would it be considered sci-fi, Clay? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, and well, then, Batman Beyond, yes. I would say our book, yeah. I mean, it's got a AI yeah. ghost. I mean, it's not, it's like <laughs> little nods to sci-fi, but like, I am not someone who specializes in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, not, um, it's not something I consume as a reader um very often it doesn't mean i don't like it like when i when i read some sci-fi and and watch sci-fi there are times i really enjoy it um but it's definitely not um a genre that i seek out myself and i was very nervous and intimidated to step into a world of that was like futuristic Mm -hmm. or sci-fi and I had also just come from writing the book for Dynamite called Cherish, which is very sci-fi. And I was like, why <laughs> are you choosing me for this? This is very weird. I am not. Sounds like you love sci-fi. That's what right. I hear. Apparently it's my new brand. <laughs> Show me yeah. Blade Runner tattooed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, that was like a big difference between Harley and walking yeah. into Jimmy Joker. It was like this big gap in time um and kind of a whole new gotham and a whole new world that i had not been a part of as a writer yet Mm. interesting yeah i mean as a fan there was excitement and somewhat trepidation on my end just because i don't love batman beyond sci-fi is not like one of my favorite genres and everything and then but then it was like everything that had come so far in the white knight universe i've been such a fan of so i'm like cool this is kind of uncharted territory it's really you know feeling different i think generation joker just by the first issue i think it's it's kind of a good balance of it does feel futuristic continuation beyond of beyond but also there's elements of it that i felt were pretty grounded and not um taking you fully of like oh yeah this is in you know 2099 or something like that so um it's a good balance i think how about the oh go ahead if i could just uh kind of build on that for a second the thing that's that's kind of unique about this is that it is it does take place at the furthest furthest point in the future timeline as as we've gotten in this universe Mm -hmm. but it's very much about the past because jack's entire point here is he's trying to show his kids who he was and that he was more than just the joker and so what that entails is sort of taking them to places from his past that are that he thinks are going to impart that knowledge. But so many things have changed because we are in the future that they don't roll out the way he thinks they're going to. And so it was I did find myself as we were writing it kind of at certain points, almost forgetting this was in the Batman Beyond universe because mm-hmm. we were playing so much with with stuff that had happened previously. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have that like super futuristic sci-fi feel because you're right. Like we are very much delving into that past. And Jack's never really lived in this timeline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a fresh approach to the character of of Joker, which I think the 
bringing Joker back from the dead was probably like the trippiest and almost most fun thing about beyond was including him in the way that Sean did. And then a continuation here is also cool. Cause it's, I don't think it's anything about you haven't changed the character. It's just feels like unexplored territory for the, for the character of the Joker before pre Joker as Jack Napier. So I think that aspect is also like a fun, you know, I don't know if you want to say a uh, like plot B whereas plot A are Jackie and Bryce and then plot B I think is just this whole Jack Napier pre Joker aspect that I I'm so far issue one as far as I know issue two might be terrible I don't know we'll see but um we'll find out that that part to me is a lot of fun uh I want to move on to the the artist Merca and Delfo uh I hope I pronounced the name correctly what's what goes into finding an artist are you guys involved in that in any way or is Sean the one who heads that mission? I mean, we've really only done this with an artist that's not Sean. Three, be the th four, uh, if, we can, if we count Klaus. Yeah, it'll be the fourth time if you count Klaus, yeah. Um, I mean, the finding Mirka was... I mean, I was there for it because I was at the convention where we met her mm -hmm. and just kind of saw her work and was introduced to her work. Um, but I think, yeah, ultimately that's a Sean call, I would say. Um, yeah, that's that's how it was with yeah. uh, with Red Hood is mm -hmm. uh, Sean brought Simone in on that one. And I, I actually had not I was not familiar with Merka's work uh, when they when Sean brought her stuff to me and uh I it's fantastic it's it's really great yeah and so it was I was happy to happy to work with her because she does really really nice work yeah and I'm trying to remember like the time so like obviously like Klaus and Sean are very close mm -hmm. um, so that was like a natural progression to have Klaus come on for Von Fries and Mateo has also been a very long time friend of ours. So kind of the same thing, like it just was easy and natural bringing him on. Um, Simone was maybe the first person that was sort of out of that orbit. Mm -hmm. I think so. I actually, my memory is that Sean had his eye on Merka's work even before Red Hood, because I, I had, I think I had heard her name. He had been talking about wanting to work with her it, right from the beginning when these sort of spin-off things had started gestating. Um, when did Red Hood come out? Do you know? Like uh, that was August of last year. Okay. So came, it was it was the week after San Diego. I remember that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm having a very hard time remembering as well. But what I think works so well with Mirka's art in this book is like she has this kind of cool like digital I don't even I'm not an artist I'm not a visual artist but like there's this very like pixelated feel when she does Jack and like she has a lot of great sharp angles like it just feels like it lends itself very well yeah that kind of like subconscious theme that we're going for like it there's a lot of undertones that she adds to the storytelling just with her choices in art um and then on top of that, having, um, ooh, is this a spoiler? Hold on. Let me think before I talk. <laughs> um, I like, she just, and she draws women beautifully. And like, there's just this, um, like innocence too, that she brings to the table when she draws Jackie and Bryce, like this very sweet, um, like loving innocence between the twins that, yeah, yeah. I think that she's been, such a valuable asset in not just drawing what we write, but really helping mm -hmm. craft those words yeah, in her she, own way, obviously. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 please go. Uh, she has a real playfulness to her work too, that I think adds a lot to to, to Jackie and Bryce. Cause I mean, this is, at the end of the day, it's, it's a story more or less through their point of view. And so to have that sort of more, um, uh, I don't want to say I don't want to say I don't mean animated in cartoon language, but sure. it's more of an animated feel to yeah. uh, uh, the expressions on the characters and, and the and the way that they uh, 
act and are depicted, I think goes a long way to to help beef up that uh, the idea that this is a story about two kids. Yeah. Are you both getting? Um, I'm gonna say maybe images from her as she completes panels, pages, or not until the issue is completed. Yeah, she'll do. Uh, she'll send us layouts, and then uh, we we all kind of uh, get together and and look at the layouts and give some notes, and then she'll go back, and then she'll send her pages in as she finishes them. Yeah, I'd say like we get one to two pages, kind of trickling in mm -hmm. at a time. Yeah, at a time. Yeah. Is, um, it, is that pretty exciting on your guys's end? Then, ooh, got a new email. Let's let's open it up. I know it's a page. <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad at I I so I'm a very chronological thinker. Mm. I it's probably I would consider one of my faults <laughs> that like I have a really hard time jumping from scene to scene if it's not in the correct order. So I always feel really bad because if she sends in a page, but it's like it's page 12 of the book. Mm -hmm. but I haven't seen page 11 yet. I'm like, I can't even. <laughs> I can't even look at this yet. Like my brain can't compute this. Um, it's always exciting to see the art come to life though. And yeah. like watch your words literally start dancing before your eyes is an amazing feeling. Yeah, it's always it's always nice to see it once I can find it because we end up having 14 different email threads going at the same time <laughs> for various issues. And it's just, I don't know. Well, I'll give credit to all involved on the, I mean, I don't know. You, if you can count them as spinoff books, um, but like Von Fries, Harley Quinn, Red Hood, and this one too, is obviously they have different artists that have their own look and established look, but yet somehow there is like a through line of it totally fits with like within the same universe too. It's never so jarring that it's like, wow, this is extreme. Like, obviously it's different. Does that make sense of like, yeah, it's different, but it totally works. This completely fits like the next, like Generation Joker. This is the next chapter of the story, of the big story. And I think that that works. Yeah. And I think that is, again, like very mindful choices for whose art really reflects the tone of each story. So yeah. like Klaus being on Von Fries, you know, Von Fries was like a, a massive flashback. And mm -hmm. so it's even okay that that style of art has kind of a different or like an old timey feel to it. Um, and then, like Clay was saying, like Mirka being on this, she doesn't have a style anything like Sean's. Like her her style is way different. But the book is so different within this world. Like I love Clay's idea or um, how he pointed out that this is like really from the kid's point of view, and she brings mm -hmm. that innocence and playfulness to that point of view, and so it doesn't feel jarring to not be looking at Sean's work. Because actually, Sean's art on this book, sorry, love you, um, <laughs> would be really, I think, not the right fit. Like, mm -hmm. Sean's art on this book, I think, wouldn't fit the tone of it. And um, yeah, and like, same, Mateo had this Don Bluth style yeah. that was like perfect for Harley Quinn. And, and his was probably the closest in like kind of lacing and weaving together with what Sean's style is. But yeah, I would agree. Yeah uh maybe let's see as we inch toward wrapping up here i'm just curious of asking each of you of if you could do anything or could have done anything within the white knight universe is there something that stands out no spoilers not talking about this book but um this could be as much as something that sean did in you know the original white knight series you would have loved to have done this part or something that's not even been talked about you would love to go down this path and explore this or something is there anything each of you would like to do well <clears throat> how much time do you have no uh <laughs> four hours remember we're <laughs> <laughs> going four hours at the risk of starting a, a, another erroneously attributed wikipedia article awesome. i i have been pushing i've been wanting to get catwoman on the scene for multiple years mm -hmm. and um it just hasn't worked out. And, you know, she's the kind of character where it's it's really tough to just drop her in because yeah. she is such a a co-lead in a lot of senses when in a lot of in a, many senses when uh, when in the same story as Batman, it's very difficult to just sort of drop her into the background. And uh, it might happen. It might not. I don't know. Unfortunately, I'm not holding my breath. I don't think any of us are. But uh, 
it, it's something that I wanted to to get on the page for a while. And because uh, I've always thought she's a kind of a glaring omission from the universe. Gotcha. How about you, Katana? Anything? So <clears throat> the 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 thing that I really wanted to do back in the day, which mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure will never happen. Um, and also is probably why I was like, no, don't write it 10 years. In the <laughs> um, yeah, that, I, really, that really screwed both of us pretty hard. <laughs> did. Um, I so wanted to, after Harley have a little like spinoff, I don't know, series or mini called Harley Noir, where Harley living in the bat cave basically like after her house burned down bruce gave her the keys to his townhouse because he was in jail and i really wanted to do this like very cute mini series of harley noir where she was just sort of a pi mm. um, trying to ah. go the the like no longer being a villain route but she didn't quite fit working with um you know the gto uh and that was sort of what harley was setting up for was this mini like spin-off series of harley noir and and then it jumped in the future and i was like well okay i don't know how we can do that now unless it's just a weird flashback and like yeah so that was what i i just i still think about my ideas for that series to this day i think never say never because the timeline of this universe has you know white knight and curse and harley quinn are like here there's a gap like this. Then it's beyond in Generation Joker. There's tons of years before that could fit Catwoman. There's that gap, that, what, 10-year gap, Katana, that could be Harley Noir. And then, Clay, oh. some point you can fit in a Condiment King story. So, oh, hell yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> right. no, you know there's That's actually, what they want. There's a character that uh, Sean and I kind of facetiously created on our Batman podcast, the, the Badass podcast. Mm -hmm. And his name's The Brand Manager. And his he he came out of this joke we had where we kept talking about how these characters kept showing up on Batman the Animated Series as villains and immediately had an entire custom wardrobe and uh, henchmen and branded henchmen. So there must be someone in Gotham who these bad guys go to and they get the package where, you know, this one guy comes in and the brand manager says, OK, so you're really into mustard and ketchup. All right. I got, I got the perfect idea for you. <laughs> and so, and I, I desperately tried to get him into Red Hood, but mm -hmm. he didn't make it. And there wasn't a room for him in Generation Joker. I don't even think I tried. I should have, but I didn't. I don't recall <laughs> this at all. So I no, I, I didn't. I didn't push for him in Generation Joker. But he is, he is someone who Sean and I have joked about trying to get him in on the page in some form. So maybe someday. okay hear me out because mm. this can totally work and it, it'll bring it everything in brand manager. So I don't know if I'm sure you're aware that I think Paul Dini created a character called the carpenter. I have heard of the carpenter. Yes. The carpenter was a, basically it's a, it's a carpenter who the villains in Gotham hire to create their extravagant layers, their themed mm. layers and everything. It's a fun, you know, not completely serious character, just kind of fun pops up here and there. Sure. Seems similar to the brand manager. Well, I'll tell you what the difference is. Close. Well, you're not that you're ripping off or anything. It's just like it's not that far out of possibility, Clay. Oh no, no, it's right a, in line with he's Carpenter. A completely viable character. Don't yeah. get me wrong. No, I just we just need to find a way to get him in. No, the difference is the brand manager. The way he the way he makes his money legitimately. He has a legitimate business. He owns all the trademarks to the bat symbol. Because Bruce Wayne isn't going to file copyright or trademark <laughs> with Bat Symbol. So every piece wow. of licensing that you see with a Bat Symbol on it, he gets money from. And he also wow. owns all the wow. real estate where all of these villains have their lairs. So anytime Batman or the GTO shows up and blows the shit out of them, yeah. he ends up getting insurance money because he actually technically owns that building. <laughs> you see, and it would be such a lesson in copyright infringement and trademarking exactly. that we would all yeah. learn as yeah, well. And how it relates now where you can come in, Katana, is it's not too far. I feel like by extension, he has some similarities to the producer from your Harley Quinn story, this brand manager guy, a very theatrical and creating a whole yeah. show. <laughs> so like, I don't know. I think all this sounds viable. It's all possible. The White Knight universe is going to go on for decades. I can feel. Um, I mean, eight that issue, kind of... eight issue brand manager series <laughs> next year. <laughs> Batman White Knight presents 
the brand manager. It's just 250 pages of filing paperwork. Some website's going to hear that and they're going to be like, exclusive. Clay McCormick, it's Anna Collins creating. Uh, I mean, that perfectly tees up and I can, I can let this be our last question um, and let you guys go that like, what is it that each of you think, what is it about, I guess like about white Knight in itself that has been so successful and keeps it such a draw because it, it is a draw as soon as it's announced of, Hey, a new, you know, a new series, uh, white Knight universe continues with a spinoff series, generation Joker. So what is it about white Knight that has been so refreshing for, comic fans and Batman fans. Um I think it's I think it's a large part to do with it really anything really can happen mm-hmm. and Sean presents the characters in a familiar way but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be exactly the way that you remember them. Yeah. And so it leaves the door open to a lot of pretty interesting takes on characters and motivations and concepts that are just uh allow a little bit more freedom to play around than i think you do in in a mainline book where you're relying on 60 70 years of continuity or well whenever since whenever the last crisis was anyway Mm -hmm. yeah i that's a tricky question to answer i mean there's i like i don't want to just point out how great sean's universe is either but like and I, like there's so many we all know great stories <laughs> we all know it's great <laughs> um, but i would say like as someone who i like reading comics i mm-hmm. i enjoy them but i'm not the avid reader that probably a lot of your listeners are mm-hmm. um you know i'm definitely i'm not reading multiple runs of things i just sort of like to pick up what looks good and i think what makes white knight at least thus far so successful is there's a lot of entry points you can pick up you know you can start at the beginning with number one white knight um and read that and curse and feel satisfied in stopping um you could also pretty much pick up harley and read that as a one shot and pretty clearly like even though you you might be like wait what joker's dead (laughs) but you know for the most part like it's it reads as like its own story um beyond kind of the same thing like you could just pick that up and be right there um and like i I like that there's that multiple entry points that someone who wanted to read generation joker on its own you could do that um or you could start at Beyond and read that in Generation Joker, and it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, so that's sort of a very simple, simplified answer. But simplified answer, but I think both both you bring up really good points that I think are very apt and I think are very true. So um, one issue in, uh, I think this is a continuation of that, like the great run that White Knight has. Um, was no pressure, right, to live up to <laughs> this world that everybody really enjoys. Um, I want to thank you both, though, very much for coming on um, to talk about this. Uh, I hope the book does well. I think it, it will. Um, and I just, uh, yeah, I appreciate you sitting and talking to me. Um, do each of you want to plug a wave where people can follow you while this book unveils and they can see what other stuff you're up to? Uh, well, thank you for having us. It was really yes. fun chatting. And it was really nice meeting you in Chicago. Yeah. Right? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Katana Collins. I am also on TikTok, uh, also at Katana Collins. Uh, and I also have a Patreon page for those who want the inside scoops on things. Great. And I, uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at C McCormick 414. And, uh, Sean and I do a batman podcast we've been working our way through the animated series and we're currently in the second season of batman beyond it's it's pretty much like 10 minutes of episode talk and then <laughs> like an hour-long tangent about something in the comics business so i was gonna say too. i do love the detours you guys do take for like a half hour 45 yeah. minutes but it is something created by or uh connected by extension to comic books and stuff and that, that's always you don't know when it's coming but it's no. coming and I it's sure, uh, I sure fun to listen I can to. tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> but that's called the Bat-Ass Podcast, the B-A-T-T-A-S-S Podcast. And uh, you should be able to find that yeah. wherever fine podcasts are sold. 
I've listened. It's fun. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you both Thanks, again thank for, for joining us. Yes. So make sure that you check out Generation Joker number one Tuesday digitally in comic shops, wherever. Check it out. As for the show, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for latest episode drops, upcoming episodes, and sometimes some giveaways. Make sure you subscribe to the Batman Book Club YouTube channel where the video version of this episode is up right now. There's also a past of video versions of episodes and also pete and i the road to no man's land we're going to continue it this month so make sure you catch up on all of those discussions as well if you want to support the show there's a variety of ways that you can do that one like i said at the top of the show patreon.com slash the batman bc to tpublic.com and type in tbbc for the batman book club where you can get some merchandise with the batman book club logo created by justin kowalski splashed all over it so t-shirts notebooks hoodies onesies for your little ones whatever but if you want to support the show and you don't want to spend any money at all it's 100 a-okay the easiest quickest and most impactful thing you can do is rate and review the show wherever you listen to it on your podcast provider so apple podcast spotify amazon google play iHeartRadio. just go to the rate and review page and rate and review the show because the more reviews the show gets the more it helps spread the word and as we all know the word is panic so for katana for clay i am ryan lauer and again check out generation joker number one until next time Read my Batman comics.